All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to The Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. Seven, we were talking during the break. Six, seven, uh, you know, your brother's six, three, played collegiate ball. Your dad actually represented Canada at the uh, 1988 Olympics. And you're like, ah, dad's short. He's six foot one. <laughs> Most guys are like, God, I wish I could be six foot uh, one. So with your dad being a, you know, a pro basketball, went to NCAA and then played for Canada, was like, did you have a basketball in your hand when you were three? How'd it work? Yeah, I mean, I've had a basketball in my hand as, as long as I can remember. Uh, my brother before me, my sister before me as well. And I'm also not going to discount, like, my mom is also the only member of my family that has multiple national championships in Canadian university basketball. Okay, so, who'd she play for? Uh, the Laurentian Voyagers okay. back in the, wow. in the 80s. So Jeez. she was... She was in the last two of their like five in a row that they won. So it's really just been a basketball family our whole life, much to probably my sister's chagrin. But and she's a uh, rower. She's sister. a rower. Yeah. She played basketball a bunch, but uh, you know it was on uh, every Christmas day, all day. <laughs> we watched every All Star game. We watched every NBA Finals. It's the most important <laughs> activity in our life for some reason. So. Well, I guess when your parents both played basketball, it was probably easy for you to, hey, mom, dad, do you guys want to watch the game? Like it was probably easy to get them to sit down and watch. Absolutely. Even today, it's still on all the time. I mean, <laughs> can't get away from it. We're diehard Raptors fans. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's been a, an awesome ride. So. Now, uh, your brother, you guys probably have a healthy uh, rivalry going up, maybe even with your sister a little bit. You were joking, saying she's tougher than you as a rower, because uh, that's a different lifestyle. I, her legs are definitely tougher, man. Rowers, it's oh, unbelievable. Yeah. She's, she's an animal. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, like, did you, ever, did you guys ever do squat-offs in the gym? Or? Uh, well, I mean, other than maybe the testosterone, she would destroy both of us. But she's, I mean, I'll say this for sure. She's the best athlete in the family. I mean, she can run as far as you want, bike as far as you want, row oh, as long really? as you want. She's incredible. Um, probably could have been an Olympic triathlete if she wanted to, like incredible athlete, sure, but um, didn't pursue basketball as far as Julian and I did. And 
Yeah, we we used to have our battles for sure. I honestly don't know if I've still ever beat him one on one. Like uh, we just never really, you know, the whole big brother little brother thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Despite and then me getting to a further point in my career than he ever did. Now we just never get the chance to play anymore. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're now you're only, he had went he had went to to NCAA and your dad went to NCAA. So you being from Ontario, that was your goal. You wanted to go to NCAA, but. Uh, knee injury, uh, well, I guess, well, injury, but it's the subsequent surgery, correct? That yeah, kind of yeah, it's a little complicated. I uh, basically had Vince Carter knees in both of my knees uh, when I was 18, so my patellar tendons were Swiss cheese. Okay. Um, and so I was competing in my last year of university and trying to get recruited, or sorry, my last year of high school, trying to get recruited for university. And, um, you know, we'd feel call, field calls from NCAA schools. And at some point in the call, inevitably, I would have to be like, yeah, when this season's over, like I, I need to have surgery and not on one knee, but on both knees. <laughs> and that was kind of a very, uh, it's a hard sell down south, right? So didn't go great there. And then the teams that were still like, yeah, we really want you. Um, a lot of like liberal arts colleges and stuff that, um, I wanted to study something math and physics based and okay. they weren't going to really have those programs for me. So I had to prioritize my academics and decided, you know what? Canada's got good basketball too. Um, maybe a chance in five years to take down Carlton. Never did get so lucky. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to explore my options here and got lucky enough to have, you know, a, a pre-existing relationship with coach Craddock at the, at the U of A, um, just through like youth basketball and, and Canada basketball stuff. And yeah, it, it turned into a really, really good opportunity for me to just stay home. So, uh, you came from Ontario and, uh, you do it, your recruiting trip, uh, you were telling me it was in May and it snowed. Oh yeah. It was May. I can remember it was May 8th. I came out here for the weekend checked out the campus it was awesome was totally like flabbergasted at the savile center i mean no one in canada has that type of facility for basketball volleyball etc so i was like man this is amazing met with the engineering faculty that's what i wanted to study in school and got like a really good um just grasp of what i would be doing throughout my my you know first couple of years academically and everything was working out great and then um, got picked up to be brought to the airport on the Sunday morning, and it was snowing on May 8th. And I was just like, where are we right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a rarity, of course. Uh, you played here for being here for years. Uh, we don't get snow. Now we can get minus 30 hey, in, man. in January. Hey, but, yeah. uh, I'm Canadian. I got to yeah. be able to put up with this. 100%. Uh, Brody Clark joins us from the uh, Edmonton Stickers, our guest here on uh, Who Is It Wednesday. So you, you go to the Bears. You mentioned Carlton because, uh, you know, they've, they were a powerhouse for a long, long time. Um, now you, you guys had pretty good teams at the U of A. Absolutely. Uh, in your turn, in your time. How did, how did the U of A help shape you to go pro? Oh, it was incredible. So I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, when you get to be a big fish in a small pond, relatively speaking, you get the ball in your hands, right? And so I was a kid who I was talented enough and highly touted to go to the, you know, NCAA and and play at a high level like that. Obviously, I had dreams to do so, and I played on a bunch of teams where all my teammates were doing it, but injuries kept me where they kept me. Um, But I knew from day one, like when I stepped on the court, Barnby was going to put the ball in my hands and make me make decisions. And I mean, I know that there's a misconception about NCAA Division One being so much higher than U sports. Like we got good basketball, especially you look at the top ten teams, top fifteen teams in the country here. They'd all be playing in the NCAA tournament at some point or other. Yeah, um, they'd be competing at high levels. And you know, to be in a situation like that where you have more freedom to explore your ability, and you have a coach who's willing to 
you know, take time out of his busy schedule and spend extra hours in the gym with you in the middle of summer, middle of winter, it doesn't matter when. And then to have somebody look up to who came before me like Jordan Baker, it kind of was, you know, a home run in a lot of aspects. So for me to be able to improve my game over those five years, it was, you know, it was no question. Like I just put in the time and I got where I wanted to go. So when you had the surgeries uh, right after that year, how long, how was the rehab for you? And did it impact you? Like uh, you had a red shirt, did you not? I got it. Yeah. So I red shirted my first year. I got to say like, it's crazy looking back on it, but like it all worked out real perfectly. Like the surgeries went really well. They were successful. I came out, coach had no pressure on me to, you know, get back that year if I was like he was like look if you need the whole year like they expect you will take it we don't need you to get back for this year we just want you for the long haul um I you know was doing the first year of engineering in school oh, and that was uh, like 12 12 courses in two semesters and I basically what? was it was insane it was insane oh. and uh you know if I was playing basketball I probably wouldn't have survived it right I yeah. would have been traveling for games and having to attend all practices all the time and stuff but I wasn't so if I had to miss something because of school I had to miss it because of school and when guys were on the road you know playing back-to-back games in UBC for example I was in my dorm room <laughs> solving calculus equations <laughs> and like I was able to kind of get through that first year unscathed um and then I had a goal of making the junior national team the following summer. I had missed out on the opportunity because of the surgeries the year before to be on the under-18 team. So I was like, I need to make the under-19 team. These are all my peers. These are the guys I grew up playing with and against my whole life. Um, and it was just like a big goal. And, you know, Coach Barnaby helped me get there, and I made the team coming back right off the injuries. First thing I did was go and spend a month tra- traipsing around Europe and competing in the world championships for that. So... Well, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment. It's nice to have goals, right? And, you know, it's interesting. Clearly for you, as much as you want to be a basketball player, you had a real goal about what you wanted for your education mm-hmm. as well. And so uh, what type of – were you uh, a mechanical? What were you? Civil engineer. Civil so engineer. I ended up specializing in structural and construction were, like, the two kind of facets of that. I just – to be honest, I've always been, like, good at math and physics. That okay. was sort of my wheelhouse in, in uh, high school, and I didn't – you know, my parents really instilled the value of hard work and education. And like, despite, you know, being really engaged in basketball my whole life, we had, excuse me, we had like rules in our family about grade point averages that needed to be maintained to be allowed to, you know, have the privilege of playing sports. There was no like, you have a right to play basketball. It was like, no, you have a right to do well in school. Uh, and then as long as you do well in school, we'll allow you to have some fun on the side. And, um, you know, that ended up being something that was, you know, very much a mantra for myself. I took a lot of pride in doing well in school and studying engineering was just something that kind of floated my boat at the time. Maybe not so much anymore. But, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> so you've had a change a little bit? Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, I always thought it was important to set myself up well for whatever comes after basketball anyways, because you look at all these guys playing um, you know, in, in the big leagues, the reality is I probably was never going to go to the NBA and make millions. And so I had to make sure that whenever my basketball career did eventually end, I would be able to eventually make a foray into the real world with some level of skills that were transferable. Um, I ended up applying to, to the NBA program after finishing my, uh, civil engineering degree because, I realized along the way that I think the world of commerce was a little bit more suited to my nature. And um, yeah, so now I'm kind of chasing that. I'm just finishing up my MBA now, actually. And and, so you're uh, taking courses in the off season. How does that work? Yeah, it's 
it was confusing. So I did the first year of it. Um, it's like a two-year program. I did the first year of it while I was doing my last year of basketball at the U of A. But then I was like, oh, I got to go play pro. <laughs> so I put it on hold um, and I was kind of doing the like the pandemic kind of lent itself to that in a, in a decent way for me because everything went online. So I could take classes online while I was in Europe if I wanted to. Um, but it came to a point where, you know, I had my sort of come to Jesus moment, as it were. And it's like, OK, I got to be back in Edmonton and finish this thing for real and and, and go for it. So now I'm, I'm back and I'm just doing the last few uh courses that I need to well, get so you're the not, So done. you're doing it right here at the U of A? Absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. so you're not... Because uh, uh, I always respect that people can do, like, correspondence class and stuff. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, I had the option to even. Like, they said, hey, you're going to be hard. in Europe. Like, we have, like, partner institutions, and you can go you know, and do some of your courses over there, blah, blah, blah. And like, that was great that the U of A offered that stuff, but there was no way I was going to be living in one part of Germany and traveling two hours to go to a university class in some other part no. of Germany. And that, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no chance. Uh, Brody Clark show. So when we come back, we're going to talk about going from uh, U sport over to Europe. And oh, it's a very unique world in basketball when you're playing in Europe. And now of course, a uh, full circle back at home here in Edmonton with the stingers, Brody Clark, our guest, you know, with the, uh, uh, you, you got a lot of opportunity. I loved how you explain it because, you know, getting more ball touches, I don't care. You get more puck touches, you get more whatever the sport is. When you get more of it, you can improve. You don't always have to be at the highest, highest level to improve as an individual, right? Because you're still going up against really good players. So uh, you play here five years. You, you get to kind of be the guy on the team a lot. You're handling the ball a lot. You're making decisions. Uh, then you go pro. And uh, you're you're playing in uh, in so tell us kind of about the the pro process because I think there's a lot of people in Canada uh, myself I've learned lots of but I still I always like hearing the basketball stories because <laughs> some of them are wild man so uh, kind of take me through uh, yeah, how man. you ended up in Germany your first year yeah I mean I'll even I'll go back a couple steps before that let's okay. let's go uh, it was 2019 when they announced the CBL in Canada so. Yes. Um, that was pretty novel by Canadian standards to have a league that spans, you know, across the West and the East and it's yeah. going to take place in this summertime period. And, um, you know, really amazing rule that they brought in. Each team needs to have one U sports player on their roster. Yeah. So, you know, I, at that time, I think I was the best U sports player in Edmonton. Might've been one of the best in the country. The Edmonton team was like, can you be our sports guy for the summer? So, you know, that first year of the team, I got to see what it was like to compete against professionals, right? And okay. so um, all summer, I was practicing with them. I didn't travel because I had a summer job, so I, I played the home games and I, I you know, um, got to be exposed to the professional environment that way and just started to really figure out for myself, like, I can do this, like, okay. I, I belong. Um, and, you know, Parlayed that into my next season at U of A, which got slightly derailed by yet another injury, which we're not going to get into. But anyways, um, either way, I finished my final season of U of A. Still, I was killing it in my eyes by the time I came back and, and started performing. And I was like, yeah, like, it's kind of a no brainer. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not done with basketball yet. Um, the NBA program is willing to, you know, give me some time to finish however whatever I need to do, I'll just be able to kind of move things part-time and do whatever academically. So I was like, I'm going to pursue this. Like you can only play basketball when you're young. So, um, that summer I signed to play for the stingers again and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And you know, I'm going through this whole process of like, okay, I signed with the stingers on my own because I knew the coach and whatever, but then I'm like, I gotta get an agent. 
and I got like somebody, I got to find somebody who is going to understand the European market and help me get a job over there because in Canada, you play from May to August. That's they it. literally developed the league for guys like me to make sure that we're not just like collecting EI from May to August because most of us, the European seasons, they're done by May, right? Yeah. So um, I'm like, how do I get an agent? I don't, I don't know the first thing, but a lot of people are reaching out to me on socials, just like, "Hey, man, I'm an agent for so and so, such and such agency, and uh, really, I, you know, we we would love to represent you for your services." And it's a really uh, strange world, let's say, right? Because okay. you don't know who any of these people are; they just yeah. know you through like Instagram. Yeah. And so I'm like, "All right," like I kind of approached it like like a business man like i was just like okay i set up calls with all the different people that wanted to talk to me and try to get my services i'm asking them questions like what does your agent give agency give me that these other agencies wouldn't give me and like you know how where do you think i would fit into the european league how much money do you think i could fetch on my first contract etc just trying to suss out like who i felt like i could trust i ended up going with a guy who was based in spain his agency spanish guy um, clearly knew the European market. Spain's probably one of the best domestic leagues over there in the world. So, um, you know, spent, uh, spent a couple of months just like, well, probably really a couple of weeks, just like getting to know him a lot and try to explain to him what I was looking for, what kind of experience I wanted. And like the guy came through, man, like right at like middle of a pandemic, no one's signing anybody. No one has any clue what they're doing with their budgets for the next year. All of a sudden, Hey, we got this offer, Second League Germany. We think it'd be great for you. The money is this. The location is this. You should talk to the coach and, and see wow. if you like it. I'm like, all right, I guess this is how this goes. So I'm like <laughs> waiting on end right now to see if I'm going to play in the summer series for a CBL, which is like when they decided they're going to do the bubble thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, hey, I got to stay in shape and I got to like find ways to work out and whatever on my own. But in the meantime, I got to sign a contract that starts in August in Europe. So... Um, ended up signing with this team in, in Trier, which is like a small city. Yeah, I looked um, that up. Yeah, so it's sort of near the Luxembourg border, near Frankfurt, near Cologne. Yeah. Really nice area, wineries, everything. And uh, actually the oldest city in Germany, believe it or not. I don't really? know how they... I don't know how they determine that metric, mind okay. you, but it was like that's an old, their claim to fame. Yeah, yeah it's okay. like an old Roman Roman outpost or something. Oh. Um, so signed there, and after we won the CBL championship that summer with Xavier Moon and Jordan Baker and these guys, it was like finished that on something like August, I don't know, ninth or tenth. Went home for like a week, and on like August eighteenth or something, I'm on a plane to Germany, just like first time, and, first time to Germany. Uh, yeah, first. Well, I mean, I'd been through like Frankfurt to go to other places yeah. in Europe, but um, first time like going to Germany and it's like me and eight other people on like a 300 seater plane, everybody with masks on just like going over the <laughs> to Europe. <laughs> it was insane. And uh, yeah, then get there and the coach was just insane. This is the thing. It's like you you think that you're getting into a certain environment, but you don't know anything about what's actually going on on the day to day on that side of the ocean. There's no way to know. Right. And yeah. it's like, I had a great conversation on the phone with the coach, but we clearly had different ideas of what it meant to work hard. Oh, and this guy was like military man, but like military old school German, like hard. Well, he was Dutch and oh, he was okay. coaching in Germany and he was yelling at people in all kinds of different languages. And he was, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but he was a nut. And we were running up the side of wine mountains, and we were 
this is the most insane like preseason of my life. This guy was crazy. <laughs> um, Did you get in better shape? I got in great shape, and then I injured my foot again because uh, okay. I had just I had injured it the week, year before. I injured my foot again, so then I'm like sidelined in Germany, thinking, well, "Am I going to get another surgery on my foot? Am I like, well, what's my next play here?" Turns out the foot wasn't healing by itself, so they're like, "Look, we really like you." Like you got great character, you're you really like bought into everything that we're trying to do here. Um, if you want to go home and get the surgery that you need back in Canada and come back to us at the end of the season, we'll let you do that. We'll pay you. Oh. But you gotta sign for another year. You know, and like Yeah, yeah. So there's some yeah, so they're not paying for the surgery and then you just yeah, you're done. And yeah, but I like you know, it's a pandemic, right? So at this point I'm like, okay, I in a perfect world, had I not gotten hurt, I should be moving up leagues. Oh, okay. I should be going to a higher level. But I got hurt, and like they're giving me this opportunity and saying, "Here's some job security." So I'm like, "All right, like I I chose this life. I gotta stick this out and do it." I go home. Long story short, I get the surgery. Crazy situation, like middle of a pandemic. Gotta like quarantine for 14 days yeah. and then go to the hospital yeah. and get a surgery and luckily feet are like really high priority for elective surgeries because like if you can't use your feet you're screwed as a human being yeah so got it did the whole rehab stuff back home all during the pandemic trying to figure out where are there some gyms that i can get into and maybe i'm going to an outdoor court one day just to make sure that i'm working on my jump shot even though i can't put a lot of weight on my foot it was just crazy um but anything to make a buck <laughs> so uh yeah went back finished out the season with them and their stipulation was then well you can't play in the cbl this summer i'm like what do you mean like this is yeah, gotta yeah, make money part, yeah that wasn't part of the and deal. they're like yeah but but you just got hurt and then you were hurt the year before and like what we're going to just we just signed you to another year and gave you job security so now you're going to what go home and maybe get hurt in another season and i was just like hey this blows because we were really good and i wanted to be a part of that second championship run cuz i just knew that they were going to win it and didn't get to be a part of the stingers but i had a great summer <laughs> so like it was all good Went back for the next year in Germany, and immediately I was probably the best player in the league for the first eight to ten games, like twenty and ten. Um, you know, it's coaches still insane, uh, but we were kind of making it work. And then halfway through the year, all of a sudden, we weren't really making it work. Fired the coach, which was like my first time experiencing that kind of shock of like, whoa, we got nothing going on here, and they're gonna, you know bring this young guy who's the assistant coach who's like 31 like hey yeah you're just gonna coach as the head coach for the rest of the year and was he good uh he was good really good guy like i to this day like maintain a lot of contact with him and we have a great relationship uh, i felt like his lack of experience as a coach kind of screwed us come playoff time uh, okay but i learned a lot in terms of the business of what goes on in professional basketball in europe that year and i also learned that when the team as a whole does well and you win, you get better contracts. It's not really about the individual performance. And so okay. we started doing worse. The coaching change happened. I had to kind of slide into a slightly lesser role to make things kind of gel better with the personnel that we had. But then we ended up finishing top four in the league and making a like pretty good case of like we if we can win some games here in playoffs – 
we might move up to the first league because they got yeah, that's how they relegation, relegation and, yeah. and promotion and stuff in Europe. Um, and whatever, we lost in playoffs, in my opinion, because of coaching, but hey, whatever. <laughs> and um, then I came back to play that summer with the Stingers, but because we were so good in Trier, all of a sudden I'm getting phone calls from my agent over the summer of like, hey, these guys are offering you X. It's three, four times as much money as the year before. Hey, these guys are offering you X. We, you know, to go to Switzerland, to go to, you know, second division Spain. I'm like, I want to play in a first division. Okay, well, you can go to this place in Turkey. You can go to this place in Poland. Poland? What's Poland got? I don't know anything about Poland, but the money was way bigger than everything else. Really? And it was like, well, we were winning, right? And so, like, teams value winning culture. And. So I bite, I bit the bullet. The coach seemed like a super cool guy on the phone. I knew the questions to ask this time around. Like okay. I knew how to actually get a better sense of what I was. Are really we running up into. a wine mountain? Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I decided to hell with it. We're going to Poland. <laughs> so yeah, my girlfriend and I moved to Poland, and I spent the last year living and, and playing there. And wow i mean i just i learned so much about the culture and the country and it's I was just, it was amazing man it was really it was amazing you can tell like you can see how much like soviet influence that still exists there but also how much they've become more westernized their infrastructure is very behind you literally cross the border to germany and it's like you've entered a different country you can tell immediately um really but like cost of living is low. They're covering my apartment and my car and they're paying me X and we're living like Kings over there. Like it was awesome. And there's a lot of really nice old towns all over Poland that I would have never gotten to see if not for the fact that I decided to go and live there for a year, you know, how was the basketball? It's high level, man. It's probably, I would say if you were to take every country in in Europe and like look at their domestic league at the top level, cause this was first division Poland. If you look at every country's first division team, Poland is probably in like the second tier. So there's probably like, you know, Germany, uh, Spain, Italy, France, Turkey, Russia, not so much anymore. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on with that. They're probably like top tier. Okay. And in the next tier of teams, Poland's in there, like probably top 10 or, you know, so teams or leagues in the world uh, outside of obviously the NBA. So this is high level basketball. Um were you, was, were you the only Canadian there? I was the only Canadian on my team. Okay. Actually, I might have been the only Canadian in Poland that year. There was a couple the year before, but that year was a lot of Americans. Um, and just, I think I was the only Canadian. So interesting, interesting experience. Made some friendships that'll last a lifetime, though. Did um, you, was there any food that you tried in Poland that you'd never tried before that you liked? Honestly, no, but that's mostly because, like, I grew up in a part of Toronto that was actually like very Polish and Ukrainian. Oh, so you'd had lots of And so I'd had okay. all of like the, you know, pierogi and all the different soups and the different like kind of main meals. And, you know, we're talking about North, Northeastern Europe. It's all a lot of like meat, potatoes, yes. some veg, meat, yeah. potatoes, <laughs> some veg. I'd had all the meat, all the different types of potato things and all the veg. So okay. I was like, okay, but yeah, it was yeah. good food. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah. good stuff. So no, it was awesome. And then, um, yeah, but then go on just to talk about the value of winning some more. Like, we were probably the fourth lowest budget in the league. League of sixteen teams. Freedom of creation. So like, we had no all the meat, real all good expectations. Things, we ended up top five. 
So we finished fifth and went into playoffs, played against a team who had like basically five or six times our budget, lost. But like because we showed that we could win, the phone calls and the offers that I was getting to go back over there this past summer while I was playing Stingers, it would have knocked your socks off money-wise from what you think you might be able to make in Europe. But I had to make a life decision at that point. I was like, okay, like I'm 27, everything hurts. I've, I had to have a surgery on a hernia in Poland, which is like, I don't recommend ever getting a surgery in a country where you don't speak the language as the nurses or the doctors. So <laughs> that was just, uh, well, you know. Somebody, somebody must have been uh, an interpreter for you at that. It was, uh, sure. We'll just go with, sure. Yeah. It was uh, a did lot they, of. Did the surgery go well? Sur- I mean, I think so. <laughs> I haven't had any repercussions, so <laughs> fingers crossed. So are you then, are you're playing for the Stingers again, obviously, yeah. this year. Would you go back to Europe next year or no? Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. I, you know, I have to kind of look in the mirror some more between now and whenever the summer might hold because for sure I'm going to, you know. Like 27 is not old in the real world. It's not old, but. If you think about it, a couple of years from now, uh, I could be trying to enter a uh, field, excuse me, for my actual career that I want to pursue for the long term. And then I'll be reporting to people who are five years younger than me. And then I'll be, you know, X years still removed from my actual education. How can I, you know, translate that into a working environment if okay, I am completely sense. out of touch with it? And to be honest, I really like what I'm learning how to do in school. Like I'm learn, I like what the career that I'm I'm working towards. So, as thrilling as basketball is, so is this. Now, so what? Do you, what is it you're doing right now? Uh, real, I want to be in real estate development. So I'm finishing so my commercial. MBA. Yeah, commercial. Yeah. So I, you know, I thought I wanted to build buildings as an engineer. I don't. <laughs> Turns out I want to build buildings on the ownership side of the equation. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it's a really interesting time for it because we've got a serious housing problem on our hands in Canada and there's a lot that hopefully will change with respect to that in the next decade. And so it's a really exciting time for me to think like, how can I get into the industry and make a difference, right? Like I want to build as many, many different types of buildings as I possibly can. And if that includes, you know, affordable housing, that'd be awesome. So for me, it's like that is the type of work that gets me out of bed. And so I'm excited to pursue it just as much as I was excited to pursue basketball. Brody Clark joins us, a member of the Edmonton Stingers. We'll take a quick break. We'll we'll come back. A former member of the uh, U of A Golden Bears, of course, with the Edmonton Stingers, played pro in uh, both uh, Germany and Poland, and uh, now finishing up his second, uh, uh, getting his uh, MBA at uh, the University of Alberta, wants to get into uh, real estate. But uh, he's going to, of course, uh, he's playing again for the uh, Edmonton Stingers. Uh, healthy now again, Brody? Everything's good? Oh, yeah, everything's good. So um, you played with your head coach, your now head coach, as a teammate for uh, for three years. Uh, how, how has that transition gone? How is it to, like, you know the guy, but is it easy? Because I've seen guys who in, in pro sports who are an assistant coach. The coach gets fired. The assistant coach, who sometimes is more of like the, the raw, raw guy, right, is like, you know, friends with everybody and then suddenly becomes head coach and it's challenging for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of guys who go from being a player to then being a coach. How was that? Yeah, I, I got to say, I I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess it's probably a lot harder for Jordan than it was for me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just to give a bit of background on that, like I've known Jordan since basically I got out here, uh, something around my third year, the summer before that. Uh, he finished his professional overseas career and was coming back to Edmonton and started coaching with the Bears. And so that summer, 
it was just I was just texting him like, "Hey, are you going to be in the gym today? I got to come work out. Hey, are you going to you lifting today? I got to come work out with you." I just wanted to like learn from him, right? Like okay. get get on let him take me under his wing and then sure. try to understand like how do you do what you do because you know, he holds pretty much every record at U of A, um, and he had an you know incredible professional career, national team career, et cetera. And I was just like, I want to be like you. Um, so he was really a mentor for me off the bat, right? And that kind of blossomed its way into a friendship over time and, and um, you know, just getting to the opportunity to first play with him that first summer with the Stingers as a developmental player and just see the way he conducts himself as a professional um, again, major learning experience for me. Uh, and then the following summer when I got to start taking on more of a role and, and we started, you know, competing in the bubble and, and so on, we, you know, developed a real good rapport on the court. I think that we, you know, are, come from a, a similar ilk in terms of, you know, the way we approach the game. Obviously, our games are very different, but, you know, there's no reason that if that wall is right there, you can't just go run through it because there might be a ball on the other side of it. Um and and I appreciated that we kind of had like a really good sort of language on okay. the court. He, I knew what he was trying to tell me to do. He knew what I was asking him to do. Um, and that was where it kind of, you know, made things easy for me when he decided to make the transition into coach. Um, I always knew he was eventually going to be a coach in some capacity. He had already started coaching at Nate at that time um, when the Stingers job came open. I think I would have been one of the first people he probably said, hey, they, they want me to take the job. Like, what do you think? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> now, whether that weighed on his decision at all, who knows? I don't really think it probably did. But, um, yeah, for me, I was just like, I was excited because I knew I'd be playing for somebody who knew me as a player. He understood what got me out of bed in the morning. He understood the way I saw things on the floor. He understood what I was trying to accomplish. Um and vice versa, I know what you know what drives him. I know what makes him so successful at what he does. And I, you know, for us to be on opposite sides of that coin within an organization, I think should have probably translated to more wins than it ended up translating to last summer. But I got to say, there was crazy, crazy injury circumstances that hit us. But um, from a personal experience, it was fantastic. Like I really liked. Um, basically going to work for him every day, you know, like if he's going to be my boss, happy, happy to do it. So, so looking at the, uh, at the stingers, um, having played in Europe, cause there's always a lot of people, you know, the CBL started and you know, now, now it's coming up a uh, year six, I think it is for the league. And, uh, you know, it's grown a lot. Like we, you know, we've seen guys for a few players go right from here to the, to the G league and then on to the NBA, and, you know, in the case of one of your former teammate in moon. Right. So, like, how is the caliber of ball? Like, how would it compare to where you played in Europe? I would say it's relatively on par with some of the higher leagues in Europe, but the style of basketball is different. And so you got to understand that um, the European game is much less about showcasing one or two guys to go and win the game for your team. The European approach to basketball is we pass it around and we find our best opportunity to yes. take advantage of an advantage. Okay. And so if that advantage is on this side of the court, this possession, that's what we're going to play to. But if it's over there, next possession, we're going to play to that. Yeah, we're going to run some ball screens and we're going to have dynamic guards that can, you know, get downhill and make decisions and, and change the game for us. But ultimately, you don't see a lot of people in the European game averaging ginormous sums of points per game mm -hmm. because it's not the style of basketball. And meanwhile, 
the CEBL, somewhere in the middle because we play with FIBA rules, so yes. international rules for the most part, with the exception of the Elam ending. Um, but the caliber of player is much more North American, and so the caliber of coach is also much more North American, and therefore the style of play takes on a much faster pace. Um, it's a lot more early shots and shot clocks, a lot more just athleticism on display on a game-to-game basis. Um, and which, one, so, which one do you like better as a player? That's a really difficult question to answer because in the CBL, I got the ball in my hands, at least on this team. Um, which is fun as a player when you get to be a decision maker. Um, but in Europe, it's tough. Like, I like fitting a role, too. Like, I just want my teams to win at the yeah. end of the day. And so, like, I got to be in situations over there where my, you know, my statistics may not have told the story about how necessarily good it seemed. But to me, the overall feeling of being a part of those types of wins was different. And okay. also, you got to understand, like, we're lucky in Edmonton to have the fan base that we do. But there's a lot of parts of Canada where it's a struggle to make sure that you're getting these arenas filled with people so that it's really so like a make show. It entertaining, yeah. But like, I was, I was just saying before this, like, the team I played for in Poland, we probably had the best environment in the country, which says a lot. It yeah. was like arena that maybe sat 3,000 people. There was 4,000 people in there on game days. and That's it in was, Stargard? Yeah, okay. and it was flags and drums and horns. Oh, it's and crazy, isn't it? It's insane. Oh, it's I've just like the nuts. atmospheres are, there's no comparison, right? Yeah. And so we can do all we want over here to try to, you know, get on that level but it's not never going to be the exact same it's there's a lot more of an entertainment aspect to what goes on in north american sports for sure which it depends what you like right like it's it's all it's all ultimately towards the same end goal just it takes on a different form looking at your roster now uh, and i know roster on paper roster on the court's very different um being in the league as long as you have uh, what type of team should stinger fans be expecting this year well Looking at our roster now isn't saying much because uh, I don't think we've even been allowed to start re-signing guys yet, <laughs> as far as I know. But uh, assuming a lot of the guys... Like when you talk to your teammates, you must know who's coming back Yeah, for the most so part. I have a decent sense, and I would say assuming a lot of the guys who, who committed to um, giving it another go-around this summer come back and, and stick to their word on that. I think we're going to be a team that plays, believe it or not, more that European style of basketball than what you would see some of the other teams in. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. In the CBL doing. Mind you, there's only so far you can go down that road based yeah. on the personnel. But uh, we're going to spread it around. We're going to share the love. It's not going to be guys going off for 30 and 40 points on multiple nights, but hopefully when we win games, you're going to see balanced scoring. You're going to see multiple guys contributing on the defensive end, whether it's through rebounds and steals. You're going to see guys who you know, are probably might seem like they're on the younger end of the spectrum and, and wouldn't be getting the playing time that they'd be getting on some of the other teams playing for us because of the style of basketball that we're going to play. And I think that that you know, is exciting for fans because you never really know whose day it's going to be on a day-to-day basis, but it's also exciting for us because you get to share the load a little bit and the emotional ups and downs that come with some of these outcomes of basketball games at this level are a lot more tumultuous than I care to admit. Um, but really like it's, it's your, it's your livelihood. So, um, being able to kind of spread that around and share the responsibility with a bunch of guys who want to share the responsibility with you, it's it's a fun uh, environment to be a part of. The the Ian Amarillo, as you mentioned, uh, I, I'm, I watched the first game with him and when I went live anyway, and I loved it as a fan. Great. Uh, as a player, do you like it? No, I hate it. But <laughs> I, I like I, it's. I don't have any say in the uh. matter, so whatever. But I, if I had a say, I don't like it. But I, now, what don't just, you like about it as a player? Well, one, it's not the basketball I grew up playing. Okay, right, and so it, I understand that it is, you know, an ending that makes sure that there's no overtimes and is exciting for the fan, right? Yeah. And there's not a million timeouts down the stretch as much as there was. And as right. a, I like that as a fan because sometimes I just let the players play. Let's see who can make the big decision without having to have it drawn up. For right, and so to that end, like I totally agree. I think that you're you're right to feel that way, and that's why the rule is in place is because uh, you feel that way yeah right but for the rest of us players well play. it's a lot of us maybe yeah. not all of us but for a lot of us it's like it's not the authentic way that basketball is being played everywhere else in the world yeah, and that's it's really fair. hard to get respect okay from other countries when yeah. they look at what happens in our league okay. and they're like ah but you got this gimmicky end of the game and it's like okay fair like maybe i'll get in trouble for saying this i don't think so but it's it's really just a matter of what um, your opinion of it. Yeah, and is. it's just different. But most people are afraid of change. They don't like change in, in any walk of life. It doesn't For matter sure. what it is, Absolutely. right? Um, and so I could totally see it from a player like, geez, I've never played this way. But I will also say it's tough. Like, I'm a guy who is injury prone, to be honest, as okay. you guys have probably caught on to. <laughs> um, I like if I'm up 20 because me and the starting lineup did t- really yeah. well that I don't have to put myself at risk for the last four minutes of the game because we can get these young guys in so that they can go and develop against talent who they haven't got to play against yet and get them some run and let these fans see some other people on the court. But now you're telling me in the last four minutes of the game, hey, starters, you need to come back in. 
even though we're up 20, to make sure we get nine points before they get 29 points. Yeah. And that did happen against the Cavs. Exactly. Game but it's like it's we crazy. won the game and then we yeah. lost the game. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> that is, that was that one. No, I think that was the CBL record too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for the yeah, reminder. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that was, like, I, I, I can imagine it just, you're sitting there like, are you kidding me right now? Disbelief. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was frustrating for sure. Um, right. now you mentioned that you're injury prone. It's, a, it's an interesting one. And, you know, when it comes to foot injuries in basketball, when you're pounding and you're pounding, and you're pounding on your foot, um, there, especially for bigger men, like you look lots of, you're six foot seven, you're six foot, those guys, there's, I just think there's more stress, right? If you look at like, there's not a lot, I don't see as many, I'm sure there's some, but you don't see as many six foot, six foot one point guards having foot injuries compared to a lot of the big men. So is it just a genetic thing? Do you think and just the size, like there's so much wear and tear on your feet as a big man? Yeah. I mean, my opinion like anything, it's a bit of nature and nurture. Like, it's a bit of both. I think that definitely there's some genetics to me being injury-prone. My parents both have bad knees. My dad has bad feet. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I have bad knees and feet. Big shocker. Yeah. Um, I've gotten over it for the most part, so anyways. <laughs> uh, the other thing is you basketball has become more and more and more athletic if you just look at the decades. Oh, God. And so, like, the, the way that we're jumping into the air and contorting our bodies and then having to find a way to safely land but there's all these other feet in the area and then you know the physicality not even you know stated but you're if you're a big man you're probably playing uh much more not not by hockey and edmonton standards but by basketball standards a much more physical game anybody who goes watch basketball with no Um, padding i'm like hey watch the guys inside yeah and so there's you know definitely more um there's probably you're more prone to certain types of injuries depending on the part of the court that you're playing in. But I think as as big guys, feet, knees, hips, uh, they're going to go through it at some point. I don't want to say that it's inevitable, but it's difficult, man, and we're big guys, right? Like my body took – like my muscles took years to catch up to where my frame was at. Yeah. And I had to go through a lot of you know difficulty from an injury standpoint during that. Um, and then when I got to a point where I was, you know, really coordinated and, and, and muscular, et cetera, I landed funny on someone's foot after a layup that I wasn't supposed to. And I just snapped my foot in the exact worst spot to snap your foot. Oh. It's just like, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Not much <laughs> uh, quickly, uh, Brody Clark joined us. Uh, who is your basketball guy? Like, who are you? Who is your number one? Who is the poster on Brody Clark's wall as a kid? Oh, as a kid, probably Shaq as a kid. Um, but I was the kind of guy who... I really liked a lot of different players at different times, but I loved the Raptors. And so it's okay. like I watched the Raptors. You must have been, you must have been into Vince My Carter. brother was super into Vince Carter. Oh, yeah. It was right before I really got interested, and okay. then all of a sudden I started getting interested, and they traded. Right. So anyways, that's the whole thing. Uh, Chris Bosh, I loved Chris Bosh. Okay. Um, Kawhi Leonard is my savior as far as I'm concerned. He brought us a championship. I'll, I'll always love him for that. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I like a lot of different basketball players. Right now I'm a big Jokic guy. Big shocker. Oh, how can you not be, yeah. man? It's amazing what he does yeah, on the court. Like I, I would think as a basketball player who plays pro, and you, and he makes it look so easy so at easy. times. It's That's just, what's frustrating, I think, for people. Like, well, he's not. He doesn't look. I'm like, I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how fast. Sure, he's not. You know, he's not dunking from the uh, free throw line or anything like that. But he he's is a wizard. He is, he is so impactful in games. It's and, incredible, and yeah. it's like when you get to watch somebody at that size just control the entire game start to finish like it doesn't yeah. matter what aspect it is he does 
he just is impacting every single possession. This is amazing. Oh, it is yeah. amazing. Awesome. Well, well, Brody, we really appreciate you coming in studio, man. I love that hour. Uh, best of luck. Uh, when When's camp start? Uh, probably early May. Early so May. for me, yesterday. Yeah, it'll be snowing. Yeah. It'll be snowing for you. That'll <laughs> yeah. be great. Well, yeah. awesome. Well, we'll talk to you again before then. Thanks so much for coming in. We appreciate right, it. Jason. Thank you very much for having me. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, You can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.